the Fertility Podcast is here to help you understand more about your fertility and for the last eight years has published a lot of conversations with experts and people sharing their stories. It's now going back to its roots, giving you people's lived experiences once again to give you comfort in knowing there's a community of people who get it so you find commonality, be inspired and know you're not alone. Started by me, Natalie Silverman, a former patient, once I was pregnant after fertility treatment, I later joined forces with Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse consultant, who is now your host. And here she is. Hi, hope you're doing well and have had a good week and enjoying a little bit of sunshine that we've had. September sunshine, maybe a yeah, I don't know how long it's going to be around for, maybe short-lived, but um, I hope you're enjoying it. I'm certainly making the most of it. And if you listened to the episode last week, well, two weeks ago, when we talked to Sophie Martin, the infertile midwife, you'll have heard at the very beginning that I've not been very well, but I'm pleased to report I have actually, for the first time ever, taken my advice and down tools and really looked after myself. So I have been recouping for the last couple of weeks and I'm pleased to say I am back to full fitness now, which is great. So that means I'm back to podcast recording and I am really pleased that this week I'm talking to a friend and colleague, Kate Please. Now, for those of you that um, have been following your fertility journey and myself on Instagram, your fertility nurse, or have um, had a consultation with ourselves then you'll know that Kate is one of the nurses that works in my business and she's a great friend and a great support to me and Kate is a specialist women's health nurse but she's also super bright and she's currently lecturing at Dublin City University and studying for a PhD I don't know how she does this all she's incredible but she has joined us today to talk about childlessness and for Kate childlessness not by choice and that's because this week is World Childless Week which runs from the 11th of September to the 17th it happens every year and this is this week so what I really wanted to kind of touch on this subject because I think it is a subject and you'll hear when we chat that isn't talked about anywhere near enough in so many areas of our life and as Kate actually says in the episode that women who are childless are hidden in plain sight. So I really wanted to highlight this along with all the great work that will be happening in raising awareness of World Childless Week this week. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Kate in. Hi Kate, welcome to the Fertility Podcast. Thank you very much for having me Kate. Well, as always, it's a, a pleasure to talk to you. You always brighten my day with your happy smile and your just jovial chat I think I can say for sure <laughs> you're a very sunny person to be around Kate uh, I think it depends on the day of the week but I, I am a true believer in that you've got to make the most of the day and if you can't have a little bit of um, humor and a little bit of laughter in the day then what's it for absolutely I completely agree with you so we're here to talk about childlessness on what is world childless week which runs from this year from the 11th of September to the 17th and thank you for joining me because I wanted to talk to you I know you've you're a friend of the podcast you've been on the podcast before and you've talked about your story before but it'd be really great to chat a little bit more about your story and where you are now 
And I've got a few interesting questions to put to you as well about childlessness. So do you want to start by telling us a little bit about what you've been going through over the last few years? So um, if, if some of you are regular listeners, you'll know that a few years ago, I think it was in 2020, that was actually the first um, podcast and sharing of my story that I ever did. I uh, recorded a podcast with Kate and Natalie. Um, sharing my initial story. My fertility journey began in 2012. Like majority of patients that I see, um, I initially had some time trying to conceive and then had all the fertility tests and things that you'd expect done at your local hospital. I then went through and had um, IVF treatment using my own eggs, had one successful, unsuccessful cycle and then another cycle that was cancelled before getting to egg collection. I then discovered that I had condition premature menopause or premature ovarian insufficiency, um, which I'd kind of suspected because I'd had always had an irregular cycle and obviously other symptoms. Then I, uh, my husband and I proceeded to start treatment using egg donation. That was our final cycle of treatment. Um, we had a cycle of treatment with egg donation, which was successful, as per which is what was covered on the previous podcast. That resulted in me being pregnant for the first time. But unfortunately, I developed a very rare condition known as progesterone hypersensitivity, which unfortunately made me quite unwell. And then obviously, unfortunately, led to having a miscarriage because I wasn't able to continue with the progesterone medication. And it was at that point that after slowly feeling better, slowly recovering, that we decided that we would have to end our fertility journey. We did at that point have an embryo in storage, which we subsequently donated to research the following year. But we decided to end our fertility journey because after consultations with specialists, it would just mean that subsequent fertility treatment would be extremely risky. So I now, moving forwards, live a life without children. I would say I'm childless, not by choice, but I live a life without children. And I think moving forward is definitely the answer, which I know that's something that we'll talk about. It's something that's taken many years to kind of find my role and where I fit and what happens. But moving forwards, I've changed in a way or moved forward in a way that I'm focusing my career in women's health, research, and we now have four dogs, myself and my husband have four dogs, and moving forward in a life without children. So Kate, just taking you back to that kind of decision to stop treatment, obviously for some people that decision comes maybe because they've had a number of unsuccessful cycles, again, potentially could be with donor egg, whatever their, whatever their situation is. And so that decision comes from probably not being successful. But your decision came from the fact that you were very ill with your treatment. How, is, how do you think that differs in kind of making that decision? Was it easier? Was it harder knowing that it was a medical condition and therefore you couldn't try again? Or was that kind of in, in many ways helping you make that decision because you knew that you would be ill again? You didn't want to take that risk. I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword in a way it makes it the decision more it, it opens up the path for you in a way because you have that discussion with your your loved one and you say well what is it that we want to do and Dave my husband and I had um, very open discussions about whether or not we ended our journey or whether or not we looked at the option of having surrogacy because at that point we still had an embryo in storage and from the point of view of two people in a relationship as you know there's always different differing opinions and different thoughts so for example my 
Dave didn't want to go through any more treatment because of how unwell I'd been. I didn't really want to use a surrogate because for, for me, it just didn't feel something that was right for me on my fertility journey. So we kind of initially had a little bit of incongruence, but over time, we just discussed and just, yeah, opened up the path that helped us make the decision that, well, if we weren't looking at kind of going down an, another option, then this would be the, the way forward. It's hard in some respects because your mindset is, well, you feel a little bit like the decision was taken away from you because you haven't just said, I've had lots of lots of unsuccessful treatment. This is where I am. It's actually someone saying, well, if you were to continue and try any more rounds, potentially, you know, the, the effects on your health could be limitless. So in that way, it's hard to kind of reason with yourself. But on the other hand, it gives you a path. It's not the path that you want and it's not the path that you thought you'd do. But you kind of just have to take a step back and think, well, if I move along and, and go on a different path, then I'm going to be hopefully healthy. I'm going to hopefully not have any concerns with going forward in my life. But it's it's not an easy decision. But what I have to say is once we've made the decision, it did feel like a weight was lifted from our shoulders. Yeah, I can imagine that there was almost like that weight lifted off your shoulders when it, it comes to making that, that decision, however hard it, it's been to get there, actually finally making that decision and then thinking, okay, well, what's next for us in our life? And I can I can empathise with the fact that that must have been, that weight must have been huge that you were carrying around, perhaps giving you the, the start of, of new opportunities and new life. And that's what I want to talk about in this episode, because when you're finding yourself in your situation, the thoughts are, dramatically okay what's next what is your legacy and before you join me for the chat I had a look at the World Childless Week website which I'll put links in the show notes Um, and I was I was kind of quite inspired actually by looking at website and thinking about our conversation and as many kind of awareness weeks do they've divided the week up into different themes per day um, and one of the themes was, and I picked out three that I want to talk to you about, and one was what is, is kind of for individuals asking their employers to feature childlessness in, as part of their well-being programs. And I wondered what your thoughts are on that, um, whether you'd actually seen that it's represented within the workplace or heard that it's represented in the workplace. And also how employers how you feel as an individual who's gone through this how you feel that employers could do that I think that's a really good question I can only obviously comment on my on my own feelings and experiences but I feel vastly that you know women who aren't able to have children childless women are vastly underrepresented in the workplace we're kind of hidden in plain sight with it we might be the women that work the extra hours or come in at different times or cover work you know late on in the week when you know unfortunately people with children might have had other commitments so in some ways I feel we're vastly underrepresented and vastly underappreciated and obviously not just women obviously also men without children because it's a vast group of people who are going to work every day or going going to university or whatever it is they're doing living their lives but kind of seen but not heard as such and I don't think it's something that's talked about in in companies Um, I think companies moving forward have got really really good thinking about abstract ways you know um, in some of my work I've done some work with talking about menopause in the workplace fantastic and I know you've done a lot of work Kate with talking about fertility in the workplace but I still think this is very much a, a hidden thing or something that hasn't really been seen but actually I think we want to be heard we want to be acknowledged and we want to be seen and 
I can only comment on me, but you want other people to understand your experience because often I I sometimes feel that you know we could we be seen as oh great you could work that shift oh great could you do that little bit of extra work oh great no there's no need for any any family issues excellent whereas we're all leading our lives we all have our own own individual things going on our own families so it's seeing people as individuals rather than in groups I totally agree with you and when you say about you know you're hidden in plain sight and I I remember having a discussion with uh, one of the organisations that I work with um, on their wellbeing programmes and they're they're fantastic they're putting in lots of benefits for individuals going through fertility treatment and menopause um, and we had this discussion about okay but then there's this this group of people that don't have children that are actually looking at all of these benefits that these individuals are having and going but hang on a minute I'm not entitled to any of that where's the where that's not fair where is the balance here um, how do you think employers can show that childless people are represented in the organisation? I don't think it needs to be complicated, Kate. Um, I think even just changing wording in their policy. So I'm thinking back for an example I remember a few years ago in my own circumstances. I remember looking up a policy on flexible working um, and, you know, in that particular policy was listed if you have children, if you have, you know, there were, there, were, there were fixations in the policy. So even just being open in your wording in the policy, directly that it could apply to all members of staff. Looking at benefits. So as you say, there's often benefits related around family or children or nursery or childcare vouchers. Great, fantastic. But could you have a selection of benefits that, you know, have a, have, if you're working in HR, could you look and think, well, great, we've got benefits for families, but you could ask your employees who don't have children, what benefits would they like to see on there? And it may be something really simple as, I'd really like gym membership reduction options or I'd really like coupons for the supermarket because, you know, they could be single and living on their own and struggling to manage the cost of living. So often there are really simple things. And also having 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 webinars or or work information to, you know, kind of explain because there's 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 more um, individuals now without children than ever before. So surely that's going to be reflected in your work demographic. So could there be webinars and information not just about obviously menopause, fertility, children, families, but actually talking about what does it mean being a single or a childless couple? How do they feel? You know, and giving people a chance to obviously feel seen. I totally agree, Kate. And uh, interestingly, the work that I do with organisations, not once have I been asked for information on childlessness. And I think maybe that's something that perhaps you and I can start changing and and going to organizations and saying look this is this is the situation wouldn't it be great to to for this to be represented and i am almost cross with myself for actually not thinking ahead of this and going right it's next week let's let's get something organized um but anyway there's next year isn't there so um, i'll have to get on the ball with that one of the other themes is this is something we talk about in fertility all the time is when somebody says something inappropriate to you and what those things are and they're asking people to send in a letter to the per that you would write so anonymous letter you're obviously not going to send it but send it to the person that hurt you the most so you send it it's that it's that whole good feel good thing isn't it of writing something down that's really really hurt you about somebody somebody said or someone has done never sending it but actually getting it off your chest so they're suggesting that you do that and that made me think then for you Kate because like I said we talk about it in fertility all the time the what not to say and the things the ridiculous things that people hear when they're struggling to conceive from people that might be well-meaning but just have no idea and it's often inappropriate what 
inappropriate or hurtful things have you heard? Well, one of the notes I made, Kate, when we were talking earlier was that actually over the over over the years, I've actually there's so many examples. Um, and I, when I look back, I think in the early years, it was probably much harder because time's a great healer in some ways. You don't forget and you never, you know, you, you as we've said, you, you move forward. But you tend to look at things differently when when time has passed. So initially, the, one of the classics is I've been told that I'd, I'd never know what tiredness means because I haven't had a child. So my thoughts were so I could never be kind of I could never say I'm tired then or I could never say oh, I really need some sleep because obviously if you're if you don't have children then every day I'm sleeping 10 hours a night and a one-way ticket to you know complete sleep every night always waking up with a big smile on my face bing ray Monday morning that's not reality though is it Kate (laughs) (laughs) it's not reality because as you say we're all different so how can you say it was very much a blanket approach at the time that was quite hurtful because you think oh well I can never say I'm feeling tired then because I haven't had children I haven't had sleepless nights that obviously we know are very much a key part of being a parent but then actually on the other foot people work shifts people have trouble sleeping trauma affects how you sleep if you're unwell if you're going through the menopause medication there's so many other things that impact so it was kind of someone innocently kind of owning a whole aspect of fatigue and tiredness and attributing that to parenthood which back then was actually really painful whereas I think as I'm getting older, I'm starting to get a little bit more feisty and kind of able to step away. I'm a with bit you on so, that one. You know, in the in the first few years, probably in my late thirties, I would just be like a little shrivel shrimp and curl up and just think, say nothing. It'll all end in a minute, and just go home and and, and feel sad. Whereas I think as you get older, maybe it's because I'm now in my forties. You know, maybe I'm just waking up to be the pain that I was born to be. I'm very much well, really. Why can't why can't other people be tired? You know, what if you're 85 and you've climbed Everest? You've got every right to be tired, surely. And I think obviously it's it's so so varied. And again, it's down to education. We, as you've said, we talk about infertility quite a lot with our patients and openly about things not to say. You know, the classic, "Well, go home and relax; it'll all be fine." Well, no, not really. That's really the worst thing you can possibly say to someone who's trying to trying to have a baby. So again, it's all about thinking about what you're saying to people. So, and it's only natural. You can kind of feel yourself doing it. Oh, do you have children? Whereas for me, I people probably think I'm probably quite rude. I generally will never ask someone if they have children. I'll wait until they mention it in the conversation. So they'll say, oh, I've got to get back for Johnny to pick him up from school. Oh, okay. Is that, is that your son? Is that, whereas now, for me, I would never ask someone if they have children because you don't know what that journey is. You don't know what that what they've been through. So it is also pointing out about the importance of education and, and sensitivity. Absolutely. I think that's made us really think, isn't it, about the, the way that we talk people, the language that we use in a, in a very different way. The last theme of the World Childless Week, and this really struck me, actually, particularly with the wording that they've used, which you have used as well, is they, the last day is talking about moving forwards. And I love the fact that it's forwards and not on, because you can never, I don't think, move on from a traumatic situation in your life. But you do learn eventually to move forwards. And you can, and the reason you don't move on is you always carry that with you. It's always going to be there. It's part of you. It's part of who you are. It becomes you. But also there's so much more to you and you become more as you move forwards. 
So tell us, Kate, then, what it was like for you making that decision to move forwards, how how hard it was, how easy was it, what what was it like, and what what is now your legacy? It's a really good question, and actually it's something I've struggled with quite a lot. Everybody is different, and everybody probably struggles with different aspects on their life journey of what's traumatic. And one of the things for me personally was I often would sit there and think, well, there isn't going to be a legacy for me because... And, and I'd have these kind of thoughts in my mind and think, well, who, who's going to be turning up to visit me you know, when I'm old? A couple of my close friends and I have this ambition that when we're older, because women, as we know, live longer than men, we're all going to move into a windmill, share our package of care. You're welcome to join us, Kate. You'll love this. Oh, really? Well, count me in, definitely. We'll have a nice view of the coast, perhaps a young, hunky gardener, some, some dogs or cats, and, and just enjoy everything, because obviously as women, we'll be living the longest and, you know, I kind of sat there and thought, well, who's going to visit me? You know, who's going to come and visit me? Who's going to who's going to kind of, you know, hi, mum, how are you? Oh, I bought you I bought you a weekly shop. You know, who's going to who's going to, you know, talk about you at your funeral? And I just kind of thought, well, there isn't really any of that if you if you haven't had children. So that I kind of I stayed in a stirring pot for a long time thinking, well, what would my legacy be? What would I do? And it was it wasn't easy. Um, I can remember some some Mother's Days. Typically, my husband would be working nights. I'd just escape and walk down the down the beach for hours just to kind of a get away from social media and you know Mother's Day lunches and posts and this and that. And I'd just walk down the beach for two three hours and take some take some lunch and go and hide away somewhere. So for for, for a few years, I just sat in the pot and thought, well, I'm not quite sure what to do with it. I don't know what will happen. But again, over time, I started to think, well, what does legacy actually mean? And I read a really good article that was saying, well, yes, obviously, your nearest and dearest, your loved ones are really important. But what happens over years and years, hundreds of years? Do we remember our um, great great grandmother? We might look at them on the family tree and we see them, but we don't actually know them personally because of the passage of time. So actually, legacy is actually a much more I feel of it as a personal thing what 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 do I want to be remembered perhaps if it's my last day and I'm looking in the mirror at myself and I'm thinking what would I want to be remembered for and I guess that's what I started to focus on and I think for me what I'd be remembered what I wanted to be remembered for was getting getting information out there and supporting women so that that, that they they didn't have to go through the same journey that I did even if, if, if they learn one thing out of the podcast we're listening to or the talk that I've given and we take one thing away it doesn't need to be something big or complicated oh I, I didn't know that that's really really interesting I'll take that away or even just knowing that actually whatever legacy you have that's for you and that's enough so it, it definitely took time and it, it is it is a process um it is a, a bereavement process it's a process of moving your head around it's a process of accepting that you're different but that's different in a good way because obviously, sometimes it's not easy when you're turning up to your friends and family and everybody's kind of followed that accepted trajectory. It's, you know, so-and-so's birthday, we've come along to the party, this is what we're going to do. It's very, very hard if you're kind of not following that set trajectory. But actually, sometimes it can be really different and a bit of fun as well, because you can have ideas and, and, and thoughts of where you're going and what you're doing. And whether that's, you know, oh, we're going to get a dog or we're going to you know, I said to my husband the other week, it's a, it's a mad one. I said, why don't we rent a motorhome for a year and drive around the UK? For some reason, he's not as keen as me. Thinking about the practicalities of how I'd be repairing a tyre at October in the middle of Scotland. And I'm not saying that isn't the same if you have children. It's just a very different legacy and a very different path. And it's it's more accepting on the path 
you're always, as you say, you're never going to forget your experience and you're always going to have that as part of you. But over time, it's also um, thinking, what do I want to do? Where do I want to be? And it doesn't need to be something big because, again, sometimes when I'm having a bad day, I think, well, I've got so much to do, so much more than other women with children because there's nothing to determine how valuable I am in society or, or what I'm doing. And then other days I'm like, oh, don't be ridiculous. We're all just muddling along and doing the best we can. So it's quite it's quite complex. It takes time to move forward. And I think sometimes you do have to just sit down and think, what do I want to do? Which is quite a good position to be in. Because as we know, whilst having children is seen in society as kind of, it's a huge part of society and it's really important. There's also other things that, that you could be doing for you. Okay, I'm not going to lie. When you said about legacy and how it's actually for you and not for somebody else and and the thought of you looking yourself in the mirror the day before you die thinking what did I achieve what that completely made me well up that really really made me well up and I think it's just so powerful that thought that you're right legacy isn't about what you leave for the next generation or generations to come it's it's what you do for you And that's the most important thing, because you're right. You know, yes, you'll look back at maybe if you go on to doing the family tree, you might find out what your grandmother did for a living. But you don't know the intricacies and the life that she's led to get to that point. So it's it's no point having that legacy for somebody else. But it's so impactful and, and important to have it for you. So thank you for sharing that, Kate, because literally... You nearly had me as a blubbering wreck then. <laughs> Pull yourself together. Okay. Yeah, I'm a little bit overcome, but thank you, because that, that is really meaningful. Before we let you go, what one bit of advice would you give to somebody that finds themselves walking the path that you've walked or maybe standing on the precipice and about to walk the path that you've walked? I think I've got a few uh, few pieces of advice it's a club or a path that you never want to be in or you never imagine that you're you'll be in as we've said countless times we're always led to believe that all fertility treatment works and ends in success and it's all you know happens how we want it but we actually know that's typically not the case the first thing I would say is time is really important giving both of you time I think when you're in a a partnership you, you both deal with things very differently and have different approaches so I think that's the first thing, time to just be and time to reflect and accepting that you both may deal with the new path in different ways. And the other thing, kind of the tip I would give when I was first on the path, I tried to carry on very much as normal, which is typically how I would approach things. But I kind of forced myself to go to a lot of things for family and friends that perhaps I didn't need to because I didn't want people to think, oh, well, you know, she's being really weak or she's just being selfish. So every baby shower or every child celebration or commitment, whatever it was, initially in the first few years, I would try to go along. I think, well, I need to be a supportive family member, a supportive friend. So actually, yes, I was being supportive, but I wasn't being supportive to myself or true to myself. And at the time, you go along and you, 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 you go along and you whatever it is and you make small talk and you chat and you kind of think of it as a sticking plaster. Well, I'll get through the next few hours and then whoosh, sticking plaster's gone. I can come home and just 
But actually, I, looking back, I think that was probably not the best solution. It would probably have been better to be a little bit braver and say, actually, I don't feel I'm able to come to that right now, or I don't think I want to do X or Y, because actually it's probably better for your going forward for your mental health and your, your emotional state. So I think if you don't feel that you're able to go to an event, then try to be honest, try to say, because there, there is also other ways of saying that you care. So you might send a card or you might message a friend because that way you're looking after yourself. Because the key thing at the moment is that if we can get more education out there, then other people in society are going to be a bit more sensitive to your feelings. But at the moment that doesn't happen. So you've got to be the one to look after yourself and your own feelings. So I would say, there are other ways to show you care. There are other ways to be a supportive family member or friend. Put yourself first um, in, in what you're doing. And again, being feisty and in my 40s, now I'm actually quite picky and very open and saying, no, I don't think I'm going to go to that. No, I, I don't need I don't need that to do that. Whether it's also as you typically age in your 40s, there's less invites to younger parties and things as well. So put yourself first and take as much time as you need and know that there are lots of support groups and information out there for you. Great advice, Kate. Thank you very much. And trust me, once you get to your 50s, you get even more feisty. So look forward to that. I'm loving it. <laughs> right. So before I let you go, finally, where can people find you? Well, as it's World Childless Week, I am doing a, a I'm doing a webinar for World Childless Week where we're talking about um, a, as a group with others, which is great. I'm on social media. I'm getting better. At, I'm getting better as the weeks go by. I'm on Instagram, which is fertility underscore menopause underscore support. I'm on Twitter. I think it's Kate, please. But I don't really know what I'm doing on Twitter. I don't know about you. Um, <laughs> Or X. Oh, is it, what is it now? X, you see? That's X, yeah. So, yes, best place to find me is Instagram. And if you're in Dublin and obviously at the university, I'm on the university's information and website for the Women's Health Programme. And obviously also on your um, Instagram and social media, Kate. Yep. Though also, you can make an appointment with Kate, if you like, on my website. You'll find us both on there. Um, and you can make an appointment with Kate for a fertility consultation or if you want to have a chat about what childlessness might look for you, then I know Kate would be a great support. Um, so please feel free to check us out on yourfertilityjourney.com and you can find out more about Kate on there as well. Thank you, Kate. It's been a delight, as always, to talk to you. Thank you for sharing what I know is a difficult subject, but it's so wonderful to see how you've moved forward not moved on but moved forward and it's you are a, a shining example of how possible that is so thank you so much thank you very much for having me oh wow I'm not gonna lie that one took me a few minutes to kind of make myself feel like I could do this outro actually because that was quite hard hitting from Kate and really impactful um, it really did make me well up. But what is wonderful is hearing about how she has moved forwards and so interesting about the legacy. And actually off air, Kate said that reading the article about how it meant, what it means to leave a legacy was a game changer for her. So I hope that that has helped you a little. If you find yourself in a similar situation right now or, or facing the prospect of, a, of a, a similar situation, that that gives you some comfort that actually 
there is another way to make that legacy, but that legacy is for you, not for somebody else. I think that was really useful. And also, I hope that you found Kate's um, advice and top tips good too. So on that note, I will make sure, as I mentioned, that we'll put all the links to World Childless Week in the um, show notes, along with how you can find Kate and feel free to make an appointment with Kate if you feel that she could help either talking about fertility or childlessness, or she's also an expert in um, premature ovarian insufficiency, which we're going to be hearing from Kate again in a few more weeks when she's going to be talking about that um, with another guest as well. So look out for that one. So we will be back in two weeks with another scintillating episode and we will see you then. Take care for now. Please do rate and review the podcast as it's brilliant for other people to know what you think. Even just hitting follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast really helps other people know it's worth a listen. Also follow Kate on her Insta, which is Your Fertility Nurse. And if you'd like to book in a consultation with Kate to understand more about your fertility and reproductive health, visit yourfertilityjourney.com. 